So, we are talking about truth. And um, we're going to transition a little bit because we're going into healing tomorrow. But I want to talk about a little bit more about truth. But something dawned on me today. And that was that I started this process of for my own life at the end of last year. And I got through it. Um, well, I'm still going through it. So the reason I'm saying that is we got two days, you know, we got two days that we're doing this. And so if you leave tomorrow afternoon and you're like, I'm not healed, like I didn't receive healing from my wounds, you know, this was a giant waste of time, resist that. If you get done with the weekend and you think to yourself, I didn't get healing This was a giant waste of time. Realize that the healing may come later. And so don't get caught up on, you know, I'm not perfect or I'm not healed um, right now. Because it may come later. So does that make sense? Okay, so with regards to truth. um, So when I was, when it dawned on me, that when I was in the pickup with Jesus, in the F-150 with Jesus, and I wanted to go forward, and even after the second thing, um, Jesus was sitting there shaking his head no. I realized that part of the truth was that I needed to forgive my dad. And so that of forgiving the person who wounds us is not an easy thing to do. Because we feel hurt and we feel like we need to guard ourselves and protect ourselves in that way. And so being able to forgive the person that wounds us requires us to not try and do it on our own. I can't um, forgive people that hurt me on my own. I'm, I'm Irish and German. So... Chagru is Irish. Um, Beeson is German. So I'm Irish and German. So basically, I'm always constantly in conflict with myself. Um, But it's true. I mean, there's a little bit that's true, you know? Because, like, my thing is, if you've hurt me, then we're done. Like, that's it. That was before. That was before. Like, if you hurt me, Boom, that's done. But now that I've experienced all of this, I go, that doesn't make any sense. That makes no sense whatsoever if I treat people that way, because if I do, and I pray the Our Father with intention, then I say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Well, if my idea is you trespass against me, you're done. Then I'm telling God the Father, when I trespass against you, I should be done, right? I should be cut off. And so that doesn't make any sense. And so I realized that my, my, the mercy that, that I dispense in the confessional is not my own, right? You're not going to confession. 
to get Father Sugar's mercy. You're going to get God's mercy. And so to realize that in that forgiving of those who wound us, we have to be able to go to the author of mercy, which is God himself. And we have to be able to say, God, I need your help. I need your mercy so that I can show mercy to this other person. Does that make sense? Okay. So the last little part of truth that I want to talk about is I have a sign in my office at school that says, why is it easier to hear the lies of the devil than the truth of God? And I printed that off last year before I started doing this little journey. Why is it easier to hear the lies of the devil than the truth of God? And I think part of the reason that it's easier to hear the lies of the devil than that is the truth of God is because currently our culture, now I'm not against music, I'm not against TV, I'm not against media, like I'm not against any of that stuff, okay? So don't like, as you hear me talk, be like, oh, he's one of those and shut your brain off. I'm not one of those, okay? I listen to music, and not just Christian music. I've been known to have a country station on my pickup. I mean, you can't drive a pickup and not listen to country music. Um, But anyway, um, if we look at the culture and the message of the culture, the culture is you have to look like this to be considered pretty. You have to behave this way to be accepted. We got moral relativism running rampant, right? Which says anything you do is fine. And, you know, I can't question you on that. And we have to be, we have this idea of Ellen DeGeneres, um, who I don't watch. I don't watch Ellen DeGeneres. But she ends every TV show, every one of her episodes with be nice, be kind to everyone. And it's just like, okay, but your idea of kind means that I can't tell you if you're doing something that is hurting yourself. Like your idea of kind is, is so messed up that it's false. It's not true kindness. But that's what the world, the world just soaks that up and goes, oh, Ellen DeGeneres is like, she's changing so many people's lives and, you know, we'll give her the presidential freedom of metal on her thing because she's wonderful and amazing. She's a TV host. And she ends her episodes with be kind. And we've taken that mantra on. But it's not true kindness. And so it causes us to have to look at our own lives to be able to say, okay, I used to tell the high school students with regards to movies like that are just filth and trash. Um, when Fifty Shades of Grey came out, I used the same analogy. Rather than go and spend money on Fifty Shades of Grey, or rather go see a movie that's filled with trash and filth, just go sit in the dump. It doesn't cost any money. Like, you can just go sit at the dump, 
pull your chair out and just sit around the trash for however long you want until you get your fill of trash and then you can go home and you spent no money in the process. But it's that kind of idea of in my own life, what am I, what am I allowing in? In my own life, what's coming into my head through the music I listen to, the TV shows I watch, the books I read, the magazines I read, you know, what's coming in there? Because that message, um, generally the message coming in is that you're not good enough, you're not loved, you're not, because you don't fit this this model. I have to tell you a quick, funny story. I was getting my hairs cut the other day. I get them all cut at the same time because it's cheaper. So I was getting my hairs cut the other day. A lady was cutting my hair and she said, hey, we have a brand new product out that um, helps you to keep the hair that you already have and it helps you to regain, regrow old hair that you've lost. And for six months supply, it's only $90. And I was in regular people clothing, so she had no idea. And so I just said, yeah, I'm not interested in that. And she goes, are you sure? And I go, I'm positive. Like, I have nobody in my life to impress. She stopped cutting my hair. She turned the chair. So she's looking right at me. And she said, now don't give up on yourself. Like, I am sure there is someone out there that would love your company. And I just smiled and I said, I'm a Catholic priest. And she looked at me and she went, oh, turn the chair and right back to cutting the hairs. And I thought to myself, like when I was leaving, I thought to myself, my gosh, 90 bucks for a shampoo and conditioner all in one that helps you keep your hair and regrow what you've lost. Like, are we insane as a culture? Like that we would spend 90 bucks for six months of trying to get your hair back? Like, this just sounds insane to me. Um, this weekend, there's a priest from Libya covering my parish back home. And I was telling him that story, and I said, you know, would that go, would that fly in your, at your home in Libya? And he looked at me, and he's like, are you nuts? He's like, only Americans care about that. We don't have time to care about that. We care about how not to, how to avoid getting malaria. That's what we care about. And I was just like, but that's the message of our culture, of use this product, get your hair back, and then you have a full head of hair, and then you can buy product, and you can do all the nice, fun things with your hair, guys. Quite frankly, I'd rather not have hair. It saves money. Um, but that's the idea, and it's worse for women. It's far worse for women, you know? Because you women, you know, dads can get away with having a little bit of the belly, you know, and the dad bod, you know? But you women have to be like this perfect thing, you know, this perfect little shape. And it's insane. And we learn 
our kids learn at very young <laughs> ages to be able to say you have to fit this model. You know, you have to fit this model. If you're a girl, you have to fit this, this model to be considered beautiful and have worth. And if you're a guy, you have to be physique or have this certain physique and be good at sports. And it's just like we train from, little, from young ages. And so the truth is hard to hear because we hear from the culture far more than we do to take the time to hear from God. And the culture is after your soul. The culture is after your soul, and the culture does not want the best for you. The culture does not want the best for you. Because if you're your true self and you're thriving, then you don't need the medicines, then you don't need the certain amount of the certain clothes, then you don't need the whatever product to make yourself feel good. There was an interview um, that one of the producers of MTV did, and the interviewer were asking, was asking the MTV producer the question, he said, who's your target audience? He said, is it college-age students? And the MTV producer said, no. No, it's not college-age students. And so the MTV, or the interviewer asked the MTV producer, he said, is it high school students? And the producer said, no. No, it's not high school students. And the interviewer said to the MTV, MTV producer, he said, is it middle school students? And he said, no, it's younger than that. Like MTV is aiming at grade school children. Because if they get the kids at grade school, they have them all the way through. MTV is not the only ones that are going after grade school children for their target audience. And guess what? Like, middle schoolers, they don't have money. But mom and dad do. And so if MTV can get in the pocket of mom and dad through their little kid, you better believe they will. So the culture, especially the culture in the United States, isn't in favor of listening to God speak. The culture in the United States is far more interested in letting the devil speak. And so if we're going to try and hear the truth of God, we just have to be able to be mindful of what's around me. And, and again, it doesn't mean you quit listening to music or quit watching TV or quit watching movies or quit reading magazines. It doesn't mean any of that. It's just the idea of what am, I, what am I giving my time and attention to? And like, is this allowing me 
to know, to hear the voice of God who's speaking to me? Is this allowing me to feel good about myself, to, to feel loved? Or is this making me hate myself? Or is this making me, you know, not feel comfortable in my own skin? I was sitting waiting to get my tooth fixed at the dentist's office. And I just grabbed the magazine that was on the top. My dentist is Catholic. I was in my clerics and everything. And I just grabbed the magazine that was at the top on the pile. I didn't look at it. And I just flipped it open. And there was a quiz. It said, take this quiz to find out what coworker is secretly in love with you. And after I vomited on the floor, I got my tooth fixed. I didn't actually vomit. It was more of a gag thing. Because it was like, that's the kind of thing that's in our face. Like, take this quiz to find out what coworker is secretly in love with you. Here's a quiz. Learn how to... What's your preferred way of praying? There's a quiz for you. You know? What has God said to you in the last 10 days? There's a quiz for you. But like the quiz of that kind of stuff, that was in a regular magazine. I do remember it had chip gains on the front, which is why I thought it might be interesting. They trapped me. They tricked me. They duped me. Um, but again, to be able to hear the truth that God speaks, um, we know that God speaks in silence. God can speak in noise, and he can speak through other people, and he can speak all these different ways, but his preferred way is in silence. And so if God's preferred way of speaking is in silence, and I want to hear the truth that God is speaking to me, it means I have to have silence. I have to be able to have time of silence. And because we're creatures of habit, if you don't schedule that silence, it's never going to happen. If we get up at the first thing of the day and we go, that's supposed to be my silent time, but you know what? I'll catch that on the, you know, I'll catch that later. Then later it just becomes later and later and later, you know, and we never get that, that opportunity of sitting in silence. And by the way, sitting in silence is different than, okay, so real quick, prayer, prayer is what? Conversation with God, right? So prayer is a conversation with God. There's two parts to a conversation that are necessary for it to be a conversation, speaking and listening, right? This is not a conversation because you people aren't speaking. Okay. I ask questions and you all just sit there and stare at me. No, um, it's not a conversation, right? We're not having a conversation. If I approach prayer like this and I come in with God and I go, okay, God, here's the things that I need and give him my laundry list. And here's the things I want to give thanks to for it's always shorter than the laundry list, right? And so here's the things I want to give thanks to. Boom, boom. And um, 
you know, I adore you and I glorify you, out the door, God's going, St. Peter's going, hey, who was that? And God's going, I don't know. I didn't catch their name. Like, I didn't get a chance to talk. You know? St. Peter doesn't actually ask God that. I just threw that in. Um, but, but God's going, eh, and we're out the door. And we got noise and music and noise of the world going on. And so being able to find that time of silence, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, for those of you that are married and have kids, I don't know what advice to give you other than to schedule it. Because in my house, there's me, and that's it. Like, I don't, I don't come home at the long, after a long day and have anybody greet me at the door and want more from me. Like, I come home and I'm like, well, Father, what would you like to do tonight, you know? Um, sometimes I call myself Father. I want to be, you know, professional and nice. Um, but, but, to be, but to be able to go, where's my, where's my time of silence? And to be able to say, where's my time of silence? And then find that silence and then schedule that silence and then keep that silence at the same time every day as much as possible. If we're going to create that virtue of having that time of silence, if we're going to create that habit, the best thing we can do is have it at the same time, the same place, every day. Because then it becomes a habit, a regular habit of time of silence. But if I go, well, today I'll get it after dinner, and you know, or today I'll get it after the kids go to bed, or today I'll get it, you know, it never happens. Um, but we can't hear the voice of God if we don't have that silence. Does this all make sense? Okay, tomorrow um, we're going to get into healing. Um, and again, with regards to the healing aspect, to just be patient. Patient with the healing. Um, because the healing doesn't come, may not come while you're here, but this time is not wasted. So I'm going to tell you real quick the last part of my story that'll fling us into healing. It's the launch pad um, to get into healing. So I told you I had to sit with Jesus in the F-150 and talk about praying about forgiving my dad. Um, because my dad didn't know me as well as he should have. And I talked about God coming in, God the Father coming in and saying, I know you. I know who you are. I created you. And the gift that I have given you is emotional intelligence. And when you use that gift, you are doing my will. And you will not only experience your love, my love for you, but you will be able to help others to experience the love that I have for them. That moment, there was a weight that I had no idea I was carrying that was completely lifted off of me. And you know in the Gospels, when Jesus heals someone, 
and he says, don't tell anyone, what do they do? They run out and they tell everyone they possibly run into. And you're like, blind guy that can see now, because we don't know his name. So blind guy that can see now, like Jesus just literally healed you and said, don't tell anybody. And what did you do? The exact opposite. You went and told everybody. And I never understood that. I was like, you people can't follow directions, you know? Like our Lord heals you, says don't say anything, and then you run out and tell everybody. Like, what are you doing? And only until now, like when I got that, that, that healing of that weight being taken off, and I love the book Searching for and Maintaining Peace by Father Jacques Philippe. And I've read it about six times because the maintaining part was driving me nuts because I couldn't maintain peace. And I remember there's a part in there that really irritated me to no end. And he says, people don't steal your peace. You freely give it away. No one can steal your peace but you can freely give it to someone. And I remember reading that part all six times. And I'm not a reader. Like, I don't sit down and read books. But I read that book six times, trying to get the peace thing. Um, but I remember reading that part of, of you freely give your peace away. No one steals it from you. And then I would get frustrated with myself because I'm like, why am I letting this other person, whoever it was, why am I letting them have so much control over me that I freely give my peace to them? Like, why am I doing that? And it makes no sense to me. And so I can search for it, I can find it, but I can't maintain it. And Father Jacques Philippe came to the seminary to give us a pre-study day. And it just so happened that I sat across from him at lunch. Not by, like, I wasn't stalking him. He sat by me, okay? So he sits right across the, from the table from me, and he looks at me, and he has broken English, and he says, hello. And I, without saying hello, I just said, maintaining is impossible. And he looked at me with this, like, utter confusion on his face. Because in my head, it made sense, you know? But he's like, maintaining what? Like, maintaining lunch? Like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? And so I was like, maintaining peace is impossible. And he looked at me, and he said, not after you have encountered him. And I was like, okay, wise sage, like, thanks for that advice. Like, I'm a priest, of course I've encountered him, you know, like, what an easy cop-out. And I've since, in my own work, like, forgiven Father Jacques Philippe for accusing him of being an early cop, or easy cop-out. Um, but I realized that when that weight was taken off, like, I truly had an encounter with the Lord. Because it was the Lord who was telling me who I was. It wasn't society. It wasn't my family. It wasn't 
the things I do, but it was the Lord who was looking at me as his son, saying, I know you. I created you. I love you. And I gave you emotional intelligence. And when you use emotional intelligence, when you use that gift, you're letting others know my love for them. That caused me to tell anybody that would listen to what happened. Like anybody that would sit and listen, if I could trap someone and like in a corner, then they couldn't escape. And so I could tell them all about this. And I realized that the people in the gospel that get healed by Jesus and Jesus says, don't go tell anyone. They can't help but tell people because for the first time they're free. And for the first time, their heart is at peace. And that freedom and that peace that I've experienced, God is offering to every one of you. He's not only offering, but he desires it for you. Because he wants you to be at peace. And he wants you to be healed. And he wants to continue to speak that truth to you. And here's the beautiful thing. I know God's not done. Like, I know that, that this wasn't a healing. Okay, great, boom, all good to go, move on. No, like, I know God's not done digging up in my life things that I need healing from. But I know that this, now that I've experienced this healing, I know that all the work is worth it. All the pain and the suffering of going backwards the peace is far more, is far greater than that pain and that suffering. It's far greater.